This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. And we are back. This is Marketing Matters on SiriusXM's Business Radio 111. I'm Catherine Hayes, the Executive Director of the Wharton Future of Advertising Program. And in case you're just joining us, I have Cheryl and Mark Burgess here in the studio with me. And we're joined by a wonderful panel of guests to discuss their book, uh, The Social Employee. Um, so thanks so much for being with us today, Cheryl and Mark. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Um, we have with us next David Edelman. He's the co-leader of the Global Digital Marketing and Sales Practice at McKinsey & Company. Um, and he actually wrote the foreword for uh, the social employee, so we'd love to hear him about it. But he, um, before we get into that, though, David, first of all, I wanted to thank you for um, your support of our book, Beyond Advertising. Um, so that's been really wonderful, and to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Good evening. It's great to, to have be you. here. Great. Wonderful. Well, so before we jump into talking about the social employee, social business, et cetera, um, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your practice at uh, McKinsey, just what the scope is of global digital and marketing and sales. Sure. The main thing that we do is help companies get over the hump in order to dramatically improve their digital marketing and sales performance. So many companies now are quite overwhelmed by all the technology, analytics, organization, process, agencies, the list goes on and on of all the different levers that they find they have to deal with if they want to make some big moves Mm -hmm. in increasing, let's say, the percentage of their sales through digital channels or the effectiveness of their spend in digital marketing. And it's not just a question of shifting budgets. There's a lot of different things that drive improving performance, some of which are more tactical, some of which are more strategic, including what are the products they're selling and how they go and the way they think about segmentation. So we work with our clients to figure out what are going to be the right levers, tear that apart into a roadmap for things to attack, and then work with them in a very hands-on way to start driving those improvements. Um, Working in what we call war rooms, where we get a team together, working very intensely on a day-to-day basis, kind of like agile software development, but applied to marketing, where we're constantly making improvements, getting them out to market, whether it be a new technology tool, a new analytic technique, a new set of offers, and testing that and getting that out to market to really see how it can work, what the lift would be, and then how to embed it and scale it. Fantastic. Uh, so just a small task. So so nothing too big, just, <laughs> just digital transformation. Um, so obviously you work with a ton of clients, um, lots of executives, and uh, you also, as we mentioned before, uh, wrote the foreword for the social employee. Are you seeing, as you're working um, in the field, an increasing number of companies who are thinking about this notion of social employee engagement to to help sort of bring a human face to their brands in the midst of all the, the digital work that you're doing? Absolutely. The whole notion of what is a brand is getting more and more challenged in the digital era where consumers are not really satisfied with just 
image with just messages. They want to really experience what the company is about, understand even more so what it stands for, how it operates, and how it treats its people. Uh, and figuring out how to mobilize the workforce of a company, especially those who are interested in social media and digital, to either man actual social listening stations and respond mm. and interact, to be involved in communities of discussion, to post content that the company creates and bring that out there, all of that brings the brand alive. And it makes it clear that the brand is not an institutional thing, but it really is the representation of what a group of people are trying to accomplish as employees of that company. So being able to bring that to life in a way that has some sense of management to it, there's limits to how far you can go, but enabling employees to be able to do more of that is becoming more and more a priority. One of the things that you mentioned is uh, this notion of social listening and how important that is. I know we've been talking about social employees, but but really being able to uh, tap into what is being said about a brand as as well as uh, their employees. Um, how what are you seeing in terms of systems and infrastructures to put that kind of social listening in place, and how has that evolved over the last few years? It's gotten way more deliberate and process-oriented. What's actually happening is similar to the way you might have a call center with people on the phones, taking inbound calls. So now more and more companies are setting up social, list social listening centers where employees have screens. There's quite sophisticated software now to be able to not only flag messages in which your brand or your category is mentioned, but to then actually see who is actually talking about you, what is their influence circle, what's immediately happening to any message that might be out there in terms of ripple effects. And so you can immediately triage and understand what's important, what's not, and then have a team able to listen and respond. Some of that is very deliberately designed more and more so to actually handle customer service requests. Right, right. Uh, so being able to just take in through Twitter or Facebook you know, request questions, um, what should, you know, what is the right car for me, what is the right credit card for me, um, things that aren't account specific. Because um, if it starts getting into a personal account, you want right. to shunt it to a more private venue. Right. But if it's open questions about, especially questions like what is best for me or how do I make the trade-offs or how do I decide or, or even just simply saying there's an outage like you know, for a Comcast or a company like that, there's an outage. What are you guys doing about it? Right. Um, general things like that. So there's a whole set of things now that are maybe more customer service oriented. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole set of things about listening in general to the gestalt of conversation. You know, are there ranters about your brand, positive things, especially when a new product is launched? Right. That's when things get into very high gear. 
because you want to hear the, the conversation about the product. I can imagine what uh, the what's going on with social media right now for exactly that with Apple. I can imagine how big that uh, that room must be for social listening to find out what the reactions have been to uh, to some of their announcements today. Yeah, the spike in volume on the iPhone Seven. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the number, but it's got to be. It's really got to be. But I, I just, I'm trying to imagine uh, what what they have operationalized to be able to to monitor, listen, and react to that. Um, and are, how, how about in terms of where it's being housed? One of the things that Cheryl and Mark uh, and I spoke about at the first half hour was um, how many other types of executives are getting involved with the, the notion of social. Um, and certainly, as you said, from a customer service perspective, um, is, it, is it HR? Is it PR? Is it marketing? Where are you seeing it? Or is it across the board? You know. It is pretty across the board. Usually there is some kind of social listening center that is set up. Some Often there are separate handles created for specific right. customer service and trying to promote that as the way for customer service. And people who are handling that are usually housed in the customer service operations organization. And then if requests come in through other handles, they are routed over there. Um, and then the core general listening often is in um, PR and communications with a very close tie to marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that's usually what I see. I mean, sometimes it's in marketing itself, and certainly marketing is absolutely critical you know, in terms of posting content and getting the rhythm of content out there. Um, but it, it does vary. Uh, you know, it's hard to make general statements. What, what I'm seeing more in terms of larger enterprises, though, is a bit more federated, right? Um, where there's mm -hmm. uh, different customer listening outposts depending on the goal of what it is. Right. But there may be a core team that's doing generalized listening on just a day-to-day -day basis. But when a new product is launched, maybe marketing now is going to take on the surge. Marketing also own all of the ongoing rhythm of posting, you know, small mm -hmm. bite-sized content on a regular basis right. or things that are going to enhance an advertising campaign, that would be run out of marketing. But um, anything that relates to more corporate moves, quarterly earnings announcements, things like that, and listening and understanding the ramifications of that are going to happen through PR and communications. Got it. So, so we're seeing more of that managed pretty carefully in a coordinated way, but being close to the functions that actually need it. So let's bring it back then with that sort of as, as a, sort of the external facing, if you will, um, social listening center. Is, is there also sort of a social listening on the inside of social employees? And how is that managed? How, how are companies um, actually, you know, putting into systems into place so that they have a sense of feel for if there are trends, if there are important topics that are coming up uh, as their employees become more social? Well, there's, we, we have to separate two things. One is when we say employees becoming social, are they becoming social with each other on intranet type systems, discussions where internally they are sharing notes and looking for ideas, you know, for example, um, repair reps um, who might um, post fixes and hacks that they've done and had it and post that on a communication thing. And that's one thing. Another thing would be where you've got, for instance, insurance agents or the financial service um, 
brokers who are posting things externally, um, who are posting things on LinkedIn and, and using content to amplify the marketing out of the course. So there's really both. Um, so when we're talking about social employees, you know, people may be doing both at the same time. And from a company management perspective, the things you would do to support each are going to be different. So from an internal perspective, usually it's in HR where you tend to see general monitoring of griping. Often there's a lot of complaints about employee relations. Um, and if it's that kind of stuff, it might be managed in HR. But if there's functional communities that are happening where research scientists, repairers are managing uh, on social networks internally, those may have localized functional leads who are looking at that, driving the conversation and noting whether Got anything it. is important to jump on. Got it. And, and those may be, again, coming back to that word federated, um, maybe shared, maybe split out. Um, but orchestrated. Yeah, and orchestrated where, let's say, you know, the global R&D organization may have their own social network internally for you know, mm -hmm. a pharmaceutical company or something, and that might get managed there. Got it. Got In it. terms of external, though, and publishing that, that's um, where you're trying to help employees do um, publish content. That's usually managed from a marketing perspective because you're trying to get amplification of the message usually out there. And there are systems and software by which to do that and manage it. Um, Hearsay Social, for example, is one that we've used a lot with clients um, as a system that you can use to put content out there, track how it's been used, make sure the content's gone through compliance, and right. you get lots of measures and you can see how it is. So there are now systems by which to manage that in a more organized way. Wonderful. If you're just joining us, um, I'm here with our guest, David Edelman. He's the co-leader and global digital marketing and sales practice uh, for McKinsey and Company. And we're talking about uh, the book, The Social Employee, that Cheryl and Mark Burgess have uh, written recently and who are also here with me in the studio. So uh, we're talking all about social today, but particularly about the notion of social employee within within businesses. So, so David, let me um, just, you know, follow up on that in terms of, um, you know, the, the notion of or the role of social employees when it comes to brands and branding. And we've heard a lot and read a lot about this notion of storytelling and how important it is for brands to be able to uh, articulate who they are in a way that people can relate to. So so maybe just a little bit about the, the role and why employees should, should play a role in that through as, as social employees in terms of storytelling for the brand. Well, the reason to get employees engaged and why employees might want to is appealing from an employee's own perspective to their own sense of belonging to a brand, feeling a part of a higher cause than just getting a paycheck, and being part of something that's really more committed to a mission. And I think you're going to see, if, and I've not done this analysis, um, but if you look at the correlation of the most engaged employees relative to how a brand and the mission of a company is positioned, I think in general you'll find that employees will be more engaged in places where they feel more of a sense of mission beyond just simply 
going for the numbers. Definitely. Um, where they where they really feel good about breaking through in terms of innovation, helping people's lives, pushing the needle on various things that might eventually impact social causes, societal efficiency, things like that. And people feeling pride in that and sharing that more broadly. So, you know, one of the earliest organizations, you know, cited as well in Mark and Cheryl's book, of course, is IBM. And, you know, they were one of the first ones, and I worked with them as well years ago, um, to promote people's sense of contribution and mission and content and getting that out there. They were one of the first to do that. And I think it's because, you know, not just the fact that they did that, but people felt a sense of pride in their achievements in innovation and bringing new things to market that they also felt the marketplace alone would not be able to understand um, that simple marketing alone would not bring out the richness of that. Mm. And they wanted to be out there to both magnify the message and, frankly, I'm sure get some personal credit along the way of being associated with it. I mean, there's just some you know, core psychological stuff going on there. Absolutely. Win-win. Why not? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, you know, I think that's that's a key part of that. And I, I look, for example, at what we've done at McKinsey over the last few years in terms of our own social employees and getting people involved. You know, I've been extremely active on LinkedIn, building a, a large following, but we, we've had many others as well. And I think it's because people do take pride in what they're working on, turning that con- that work into content that they can share. It certainly has marketing impact. It helps to promote the individual employee. Um, but it is this sense of saying, I've got stuff to share. I want to be able to have a voice. Uh, and then there's the other side, which is seeing people's reaction. Right, getting the feedback. Underplayed. Ah, that's a really good point, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, being personally a social employee who posts a lot and and is out there, I'm amazed at how much I learn from the comments Mm -hmm. and the feedback and the discussion after you post something. Right. So there's there's a whole personal education and feedback that the market, the social market gives you when you get engaged in this. And I don't think people even realize that when they first start. Mm -hmm but they start to see it once they do. And I've talked to other people um, similar to myself who've done this, and, and I hear the same thing, that they did not realize how engaged people can get in debates. And especially when you open it up beyond the boundaries of your company, you learn a lot right? Um, because you can be very isolated. So I think there's a big payoff uh, that comes from both the marketing of your company and yourself, but also the, the learning that's involved. I think there's a lot of value to that as well. That's fantastic. Well, I, I do want to get back a little bit to, to your question, or to um, your, your, I think, is it over a million LinkedIn followers? Um, but, uh, but first, we actually have a, a caller from um, New York, Ben. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You have a question about social marketing, social employees, and B2B to business, right? Yeah, well, so it seems that the the examples that you guys are, are working with either tend to be large fortune 500 or 100 companies and or b2c focused businesses and i run a, a mid-sized 250 employee b2b business where in an industry where social media doesn't seem to really have any play and i was wondering if 
if there would be a, a beneficial reason to encourage my employees to go out and become social mediaites and and go after that that style of marketing if my potential customers really don't interact in in that media space i mean i i i just i'm trying to tie this together to my reality and and i'm not being able to do so so i thought you guys might be able to share some insight great um uh well chuck with David and I think Cheryl also had uh, some suggestions. Yeah, actually, that was a great question that you asked. First of all, um, most most of our clients in the Boulder B two B, but we do have a few B two C. Um, this question was actually posed about a few years ago to a VP, um, and uh, I believe in um, Australia when they were speaking, and uh, they were asked if this concept applies to small business. The man actually had think about it, come back. And the next day, answered the question, said, actually, this concept of social business is um, just as important for small businesses as it is to large businesses, global business. And that's because small businesses are more agile. They're, it's easier for them to change their culture. And Mark can give you a great example of Domo, who is one of the small, was the smallest brand in our bulk. And they have an amazing story, too. Yeah, I um, mean, Julie for example. Kehoe, yeah, that was Julie Kehoe, who I have to put a little plug in there, who yeah. gave us that story. Yeah, Domo, I mean, we, we recognized that we had tons of very big brands in the book. To your point, you're, you're absolutely correct. So we found one that was relatively small called Domo. It's a business intelligence firm based in Utah. And at the time, they were worth maybe, I don't know, $30, 40000000 million brand. And they're now significantly changed. And what they do, they hire social employees that every bit of their job is all about being social, 100%. And they do leaderboards and they, you know, they're tweeting and they're blogging, they're, they're promoting and they, they got people outside the door trying to get in to work for them. So we like to say that whether you have four employees or 400,000 in the case of an IBM, the concept absolutely works. And in a lot of ways, it's just easier to implement the smaller the firm. So, and definitely, there you can get a lot of traction in uh, B two B with this concept. David, any other thoughts um, for Ben? Well, I think the other side of this is your point about whether you should do it if the category is one that you sense there isn't a lot of social activity um, going on about. And I think that's testable. Um, you know, by putting stuff out there, you can. You can go online, do some searches on keywords related to your category, and start seeing if there are people who are posting material based on that, and then start engaging with them and see whether anything comes out of that with your content uh, before jumping to conclusions about whether people in your category are engaged or not. It pays to take a look. You'd be surprised. So, for example, one of my clients was an industrial lighting company, um, and you wouldn't think that would be a heavy social media topic. But actually, when we started doing the research, it turned out that there were a lot of people talking about it. There were architects, lighting designers, people talking about energy efficiency and LEDs. And so there were just angles out there of people having conversations about the topic in social media. And there were no other manufacturers who were involved talking with them. Uh, it was all just users of it. And so it gave our client an opportunity to jump in and start providing some factual 
answers to people's questions about the topic, and they started providing case examples of people who've used their lights, answers to questions about product specs, and it actually snowballed into something that started driving some serious leads. Hmm. So it's you know, the answer is it's testable um, before you jump in and you know, probably worth a try to even see what volume is out there now. I think it, it, you raise a good point, too, because one of the things that um, that we've heard many times on the show and people do talk about engaging in, in social media as, an, as a social employees is how important it is to sort of listen first. So you don't just barge into a party right. uh, and start shouting and saying, hey, I'm here. I'm the best. I'm wonderful. Look at me. Um, but instead to, to sort of listen first and hear what everybody else is talking about. What's the what's the mood? Um, listen, um, react, participate. Uh but you don't sort of barge in saying it, it, it's all about me. So I think that sounds like, you know, really great uh, advice to sort of listen first, test a little bit. Um, and then I know in, in talking with uh, Cheryl and Mark earlier, too, one of the things that they do talk about is to start with the people who are who are interested and passionate about it. There's probably folks within the 250 uh, people within your organization who are already using social media themselves um, for for their own lives, uh, and so maybe they're the types to to ask and engage at the outset to 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 get things started. Um, and but just let me go ahead. So thank you so much for your call, Ben. Um, David Edelman, back back to you for a second. You, I think you have over a million LinkedIn followers. Is that true? Yes, it is. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead in the next five minutes uh, that we have left and just see if you have some personal advice because, you know, as we think about our listeners, are you know we have different hats, uh, different persona. We're business people, but we're we're also individuals, and we talked about building personal brands. So, what kind of advice do you have for how? Um, people can build their own personal brands, build communities and participate in social networks, particularly uh, on LinkedIn, some some advice you might have from your experience. Yeah, I mean, some of it was the luck of timing, um, starting out when the LinkedIn influencer program was just getting off the ground right. and having a good article in the Harvard Business Review at the time, which that always helps, up. but I, <laughs> it does help. So, you know, some of it was timing, but the reality is, I, I think, to be heard in the jungle of LinkedIn, you need a point of view. And I've seen a lot of people go out there and just simply publish some stuff here, some stuff there, Um, but it's very bland. It's just factual stuff, observations, but it doesn't necessarily have a point of view to it, especially one that either challenges the status quo Mm -hmm. or puts things in a frame that helps people see things in a different way, and then hammering against that, constantly building on that point of view. I think that's what helped me a lot and what I see from others. Some of it is, you know, they, there may be business people who are actual celebrities, you know, Richard Branson, people like that, you know, who certainly have a point of view um, in the way they approach things, some of which, you know, they had before. Um, and people knew that about them and are looking for more of that. But I think if you're just starting on LinkedIn and wanting to build something, you need an angle. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely need some kind of – and then you've got to reinforce that not just by publishing there but by speaking at conferences, putting articles out. Um, a lot of this all feeds on itself. So as people hunt for you – well, as people discover you – and learn about the content, you may get invitations to speak, 
taking those invitations to speak gets you out in front. People then tweet about your speech. They provide links back to you. And that just all snowballs and snowballs over time. And I love and I love so, the fact that you talked about earlier too the the learning aspect of it. So once you do get out there, you're actually building a community of people who who are following you, who are reading, who are reacting, um, and learning from that, which is really powerful. Yeah, you have to see it as this snowballing ecosystem that you've got to keep moving, and just simply saying, "Oh, what am I going to write and just publish something?" That doesn't really work. You've got to go with the community and fuel it and build it over time. Fantastic. Well, it's been a real pleasure, David Edelman, to have you being on the show today. It's been wonderful, and I, I know you're a great friend to Cheryl and Mark, and certainly we've been appreciative of your support of our book thank as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, David. Oh, thank, thank you, you David. so much. My pleasure. Good night, all. Good night. Good night. If you want to hear more about David, you can follow him on Twitter at David Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N. And obviously, you can uh, check out yes. his LinkedIn page after that. <laughs> we'll be right back with writer and brand strategy consultant Kevin Randall. You're listening to Marketing Matters. I'm your host, Catherine Hayes, and this is Business Radio on Sirius XM. Stay tuned. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.